You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Lead to Soar podcast. It's Michelle here today and thrilled to bits to be here with Natalie Moore from Own Your Own Health Collective. Nat's a member of the Lead to Soar network and she and I have known each other for a little while. I was actually thinking this morning that how did we meet through our networks and it's really cool to be able to be doing some stuff together and I will let Nat introduce herself shortly but one of the things that I'm really interested in And, you know, kind of want to bring to the fore in this discussion is how Nat has helped me challenge my own mindsets about women's health, specifically menopause and the workplace and leadership. So, yes, this is an episode about women's health and menopause specifically, but really big call to actions around what do we do in the workplace and what does this mean for leadership? So, anyway, that's what we're going to cover off today. So, very cool to have you here, Nat. Tell us about you. So my favourite way to say is let's imagine you and I are having a lovely little glass of bubbles or something somewhere and someone sits down next to us and says, introduce yourself. What do you say? I love that analogy and that thought process. And I'd probably laugh, just have a little laugh to begin with, because my husband often says to me, you do so many things. I have no idea what you actually do. And I'd probably say that, that I am just a passionate businesswoman, but also very passionate about helping people to be their best, get the most out of their life, take care of themselves. I'm a wellness and mindset coach, yoga and meditation teacher, a keen marathon runner as well. And I feel like over my lifetime, I've just brought all of these bits together that's culminated into this moment today. And I just love being able to inspire other people to be their best and have a really long, healthy, happy life. So that's probably me in a nutshell, I'd say. Nice, nice. As you said, you wear many hats. And so that manifests itself in many ways. So in a week or in a month of the life of Nat and Own Your Own Health Collective, what is it that you do? So, you know, and you and I are part of a, a smaller group of women entrepreneurs who are working through, you know, supporting each other as we grow our, our businesses. But what are the problems that you're solving for your customers? Yeah, so I'm one half of the business and together when Lisa and I first started, we wanted to really introduce health and well-being in the workplace. And of course that isn't new, but I had the big goal a few years ago that by the time my daughter was old enough to be working full-time, that I wanted to change the landscape of the way businesses looked at health and well-being. So that by the time she was working full-time, it was part of her job. It was part of the culture. It wasn't a tick and a flick. It wasn't even something that was spoken about as not even happening. And so we have really just gone on this journey over the last couple of years in how can we make real impact and real change in workplaces. And we really tapped into our own personal experiences as well at the time. And just come to appreciate that women in particular, we don't understand or know about our bodies, our cycles and our phases. We are stressed more than ever. But on the flip side, we're also very ambitious and we're very driven. And that woman, particularly 40 plus, who perhaps might be coming on the other side of caring duties, of caring for kids or even for parents, she's ready to just go gung-ho in her career and build on those foundations from the earliest years. 
women coming into this phase are also nutrient deficient and haven't had the education around how they can fuel, move and support their body so that they're not only just coming through this phase, but through beyond that phase as well. So when I think about what is it that we're trying to solve, we're trying to change the way women use their body and support their body and also really trying to shift the mindsets around women's cycles and phases across society so that, again, we can really tap into the advantage that is the woman's body and use it and harness it for growth, for economic participation, for greater business and really culminating that into that whole health element as well. You've said a couple of words that are always interesting or make me sit up and take notice. One is ambition, and we've talked about ambition and ambitious women. And in the Lead to Soar Network, we are absolutely supportive of, in fact, advocate for women recognising their ambition and realising it. So that's number one. And I think number two is business and the impact of women's participation in the workforce and the way that that can help business, society, the economy, so on and so forth. So let's go back to women in the workforce and the ambitious woman who is, well, I'm going to use my own sample size of one, but my own lived experience here. So I get into my mid-40s. I no longer have small people to care for. I am launching into the next phase of my career and bam, I'm hit with perimenopause. Well, it was actually a 10, 11-year experience for me. So mid-40s to, well, now my late 50s. And it was awful and confusing and terrifying and frustrating because no one could tell me what God's name was going on. It was like, oh, ask your mum or ask what your nana had and what have you. And at the time, I was really hitting a peak in my career and I needed to be at peak performance and I'm extraordinarily ambitious and driven. But suddenly there's, I felt like my body was letting me down. And honestly, Matt, you've challenged me. I wish I was able to have these conversations with you 11 years ago because I was quite ashamed as well. And there was no way I was going to talk to anyone about the fact that I was going through some stuff that I needed some help with. So tell me more about that woman who is... I know that I'm not the only one, but tell me about that and that impact in the workplace and why it's so important that we pay attention as individuals, but also as leaders and workplace leaders. Yeah, definitely. And if I could go back to the very beginning and just give a very brief context around women's bodies and cycles and and the change that we do go through very briefly, because I could have a whole episode on it. But a lot of that shame and embarrassment really comes from back when girls first got their periods because we've had that societal conditioning and that perception that it's disgusting, it is shameful and we need to hide it. And there's a great book about bloody time which has highlighted some really great evidence. You might be aware of it. Yeah, Victorian Women's Trust were were part of who did that, yeah. Yes, it's fabulous. And really that has just carried through women's lives and it's when they come to perimenopause and menopause that those feelings, those same feelings of shame and embarrassment really do surface again. So when girls get their first period, we usually call that first puberty. We're also calling perimenopause the second puberty because what's happening is we've got that ramp down of hormones. 
And I just want to introduce the two hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And the reason why I want to bring that to the surface is because they're sex hormones and reproductive hormones, but they are so much more than that. They completely dictate our entire being and the way that we feel. So when we are cycling, estrogen is very dominant and for half of our cycle and we've got great mental clarity we've got great communication high energy and really we're unstoppable we are capable of so much when it's progesterone dominant for the other half of our cycle that's when we want to retreat within and we have lower energy we're a bit slower we might not be as quick to respond to things and mental capacity might be down a little bit low as well so what happens during perimenopause they fluctuate up and down and that's all we've got and that's why we've got that erraticness in our mind and in our body And the changes, because one minute we're great, the next minute we're not, and we just don't know if we're coming or going. And to come back to your question, we hear this from women so often that they don't know what's happening to them. They actually feel like they might be dying or something is seriously wrong with them or they've got early onset dementia and it's really scaring the hell out of them. They've gone from one day being very capable that they could stand up and present to a room full of people to the next day completely crumbling and not being able to do that. And again, they've just completely, how could this possibly be happening? I'm a very confident, capable person. What is going on? And I just want to reiterate too that these are not medical conditions. These are very natural phases of life that every single woman will go through. And we do not have control over the change that we're going through. But we actually, over the years, have given away our power because we haven't learnt about our bodies or learnt about our cycles, learnt about these hormones and how we can use them to support us and our goals and our life. But there's great power that comes from building our knowledge about our cycles and our phases and particularly bringing this into the workplace. These words, perimenopause, cycling, menopause, it's a new language for many of us. And there's a real opportunity to bring this into the workplace and bring this language into the workplace so that women feel comfortable to express what they're going through. We had a guest on our podcast and she reiterated and shared her own experience and she's since gone and become a menopause champion within her workplace. And she said that that immediate response back from a manager or a leader or a colleague within the business is absolutely critical to how the woman feels about whether she is safe to stay in the workplace and whether she feels safe enough to actually disclose her experience. So This is where we have to be really able and comfortable in bringing that language to the forefront so women can just say, I'm going through perimenopause right now and know that the response back is going to be one of comfort and safety for her to feel like she still has a place in the business. Oh, Nat, I feel like you've just had a look inside my life and you've detailed some of the frustrations that I have. And of course, you know, as a gender equality advocate, I'm always advocating for more research on women because we know that women's health has been under-researched, underfunded, and there's just invisible women syndrome everywhere around women's health. And that has manifested to the conversations that we've had with medical practitioners and others. But in the workplace, I think about two particular examples. One, I started having panic attacks. So I'd wake up 
bolt upright at 4am in the morning having panic attacks. And again, I thought I thought I was losing my mind. Now, that is an extreme version of what happens in menopause. Sample size of one, dear listeners, of course. But the other was I remember standing with my boss, the CEO of the organisation that I was working for at the time. I'm one of his key executives. We're standing in the foyer of an ASX-listed company waiting to see a very important client. And I could feel sweat literally running down my back, down my neck, down my face. I was so hot. And when I get hot, I faint. And I thought, oh my God, I'm I'm going to faint. And I could see my boss looking at me strangely. And I thought, I don't know what to say to him. And I just said, oh, I've got a bit of an upset tummy and it's blah, blah. Because I was like, I'm not going to say I'm in the middle of menopause here and I don't know what the hell's going on. I know that there must be so many women who are still experiencing that. But for the bosses of those women, no matter what gender they are, what can they look out for, Nat? And how can they create that space? I'm struggling with the right word, but the safe space to say, is there something going on with you? Or what can they do? I'm going to talk about the risks of not doing anything in a minute. I want to ask you about that. But what can they do right now? Mm, Yeah, look, and psychological safety is a big piece of this. And it's really important to note too that for all that we can see, there's a lot that we cannot see. So yes, we might see that a woman is going through physical changes at certain times and and hot flushes is, is one of those that we can notice. But there's also a lot of psychological changes as well and anxiety and depression and poor mental health are really big symptoms that do impact women too. So whenever we are asked this question, because it's one that comes up very often, it's about looking at what are the support mechanisms or the initiatives that you have in place currently that is going to help support the woman who is feeling this way, that you can then have a courageous conversation. So, I mean, you're not going to say to her, are you perimenopause, but how can you use sort of coaching and good questioning and really good sort of safe, comfortable environment where you can have an open conversation with her. So communication and education really are the two key pieces that are just absolutely pivotal. And through our work, we use a model called me, we and us. And so the me being the individual, the woman educating her because The challenge is many women don't know what they're going through and understand why they're going through it. So they can't ask for the support that they need without knowing. So we start with the woman, then look at the team and how can we educate the wider team and not just women who are in perimenopause, women who are much younger, men who are much younger, everybody in the workplace. And then how do we look at that from a whole company perspective and look at the language and having that acceptance that we've got a broad set of people across the workplace, we need to create an environment where this is part of our conversation, this is part of our language and part of our awareness. But really safe, comfortable questioning, a safe environment so the woman feels comfortable in being able to talk about it and just looking for signs that perhaps there may be changes in the way that she's working There may be changes in the way that she might be responding to situations because mood swings are also a very big symptom too, which completely come out of the blue. I guess this is the great opportunity where we can bring this into that concept around humanizing workplaces. How can we humanize our workplace more so that we are accommodating women across their life cycle and phases and 
bringing this to the forefront, having that understanding and seeing the woman for who she is, where she is, and encouraging those conversations and, and that openness as well, as much as she wants to. We're not we're expecting women to go in and delve into the, the nitty-gritty of everything, but at least bringing that awareness to the surface. I want to bring our leadership definition into this because you've captured it so perfectly with me, we and us. So leadership is using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging greatness in others. In leadership, we need to seek out the greatness in others, even when we're a bit confused about their behaviour. And as a great leader who wants to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes, we know the power of a really engaged motivated and well workforce. So I think it's a really huge thing for leadership to say, I want to take my business forward, which means I need to understand what's going on for my team of diverse, unique people who are all going to have some different things going on for them. And for women, particularly, I suppose, if I think about male leaders, and let's face it, men still dominate the upper echelons of leadership across the world. So this is a pretty big message for our male leaders as well. We want you to get comfortable with these things. And these are leadership skills. I had a conversation with a client group today about the expectations of leadership in the 21st century are very different to the 20th century when I started in my management career. You know, things that we were told as young people when we were first managing have not stood the test of time. We do need to know our people well. We do need to seek out their greatness. We do need to create workplaces that work for them. And more specifically, in terms of what you and I do, Nat, to make sure that women can reach their full potential, we need to help women reach their full potential so the business can. So what are the kind of things that, so I'm an individual person, so let's talk about the we now. I'm thinking about we, my team, my business, what am I going to do to understand more about how I could perhaps have more knowledge about and empathy for women who are at this critical cycle um, in their lives? Great question. And it really is that education piece. So everybody needs to understand the what and the why of perimenopause and menopause to then open up that awareness and that appreciation of what women are particularly going through. That then allows the opportunity for conversation. We often find whenever we speak to businesses, the initial person that we're speaking with is really a bit apprehensive about bringing this topic in. But once we mention the word menopause in a workshop or in a workplace context, all of them have said to us, it has just gone crazy. People are going crazy talking about it. And that's both men and women, which is really, really great. So once we've got the education, that opens up the opportunity to have those supportive conversations and asking the woman, what is it that you need? Of course, there are those things that we can bring in. Some women like to have a fan on the desk. Some women do not want to have a fan on the desk because they don't want to bring that attention to themselves. There's also the opportunity around flexible working, which you know, over the last few years, we've seen a rise in that. And that, that's amazing. That's going to go a long way to supporting women when they need it. And also, how can you create a private safe space that if women need some time out to have a breather, to be on their own, which is not the bathroom, the bathroom is not the place for that. They need to have a, a separate room and it doesn't have to be specifically for women. It could be for all employees so that we're including everybody, but it's a space that they can go to without judgment, without fear and feel comfortable. 
So yes, there's lots of physical, tangible things we can do, but it is very much about understanding, okay, what is it that you need for your experience and how can we as a team support you so that you are feeling comfortable and safe? So I love the thought of the, like a wellbeing room, you know, we have pleasingly, we've seen the rise of breastfeeding rooms and kitted out breastfeeding rooms, because let's face it, I think it's well known that you wouldn't feed your family in the toilet. So why would you feed a baby in the toilet? So that option or that notion of a wellbeing room, a timeout room is, that's a super, super concept. And for a lot of workplaces, pretty easy to do if we put our minds to it. So I love that. You talked about some of the thoughtful questions that leaders might want to learn. Can you give us just one or two examples of if I'm in a coaching session or the, you know, my one-on-one or I want to do a check-in with one of my women employees who I think I've got a bit of a notion that something's going on, what's a good icebreaker, opener, you know, I want to get quite practical here and demystify that this doesn't have to be hard. Mm, yeah. I've got a three question exercise, which I have uh, borrowed from an associate professor. Her name's Michelle McQuaid, and I just love using it. Oh, I know Michelle. I know her from the NAB. We did work there with her. Yeah. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. And I, I've seen this in action so many times with her and I've implemented it through my own work. And it's asking the question, what is going well for you? what are you struggling with or what challenge or what's not working and what is it that you need? And the reason I love that is because it initially brings something positive. So connecting, helping that person connect to something positive and then looking at, okay, what's, what's the challenge, but then what's the opportunity and how can I as a leader support you in reaching that opportunity or support you through that challenge and that struggle? Of course, If the business hasn't had the education around perimenopause and menopause, that's probably not going to come up. So this is where that initial education is really critical, but it affords the opportunity to have that conversation and have it in a safe place where it's not, are you perimenopausal? Or I can see that your productivity is really struggling at the moment. We're actually putting the onus on the woman to talk about it and share. And and then the leader saying, I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. How can I support you? What is it that you need? And if I could just add one more thing, and I've probably shared this before in our Lead to Soar conversations, I'm very much focused on emotional intelligence and feelings. And I think when we can come back to how is it that you want to feel? How are you feeling right now? And how is it that you want to feel? And how can I support you to feel the way that you want to feel when you're at work? I think they're really important questions to ask as well. I love that. And again, this is some of the unlearning of the old management practices, well, certainly old for me because I am less young these days, but things like when we first started being managers, don't get too close to your team, don't bring personal feelings, leave home at home and work at work, which of course we know is complete bullshit. So I love that, that we're saying, hey, you're a complete human being. This is a workplace that wants to support you. And frankly, it makes good business sense to do that. So let's talk about you know, how do you feel and what can we do to make you feel better? I really love that. Nat, If there's someone listening who's going, yeah, 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 whatever, I don't quite get this, let's talk about what's the impact of not paying attention to women's wellbeing, women who are perimenopausal, menopausal. 
because we know women are exiting workforces for a range of different reasons, but what's your data and what's your experience around this impact on women's workforce participation? So definitely, if we do not do anything, we will lose women in those positions, in senior leadership positions, in their 40s and their 50s as a result. And the UK has really been setting a great precedence for us here. And some say that we're five to 10 years behind the UK, which is alarming, but also giving us the opportunity to look ahead and say, okay, this is what's possible. Let's try and bring it forward a lot a lot sooner. But they're, they're citing one in 10 women are leaving the workforce as a result. And wow. Yeah. It's a big number. That That is a huge number. We are just struggling to close the leadership gender gap. And, you know, whilst we can't ever put an age bracket on, you know, when you become a leader, you would certainly say that a woman in her mid 40s to 50s, she's had 20 or so years in the workforce, got lots of experience, super track record, as you say yourself, coming into her power. And we let that go at a rate of one in 10. Oh, far out. That is not good. Not good. It's a big number. And not only that, women uh, are not going for promotions and they're demoting themselves because, again, they feel like they're just not capable anymore in doing the job that they have. And I can tell you that although we haven't got that specific data out of Australia, there's quite a few universities in Australia who are doing that work at the moment and we've had the fortunate opportunity to speak to many of them. But women we've spoken to, they have. They've taken a year break. They've left completely and they haven't gone for promotions that they thought they could go because they feel like they've lost that capability. So we're going to lose those women. And also, you know, the younger generation of women, you can't be what you can't see. So if they're not seeing women in their 40s, 50s in senior leadership positions, what hope do they feel like they've got when they get to that age? So it's a succession planning as well. It's not about just the woman today. It's about the generations of women coming behind them too, that we need to really bring this to the forefront. Yeah, and another point there that I'd add to build on that is that if younger women, as they come through, if they're not seeing workplaces that are actively supporting conversations that they have very openly, I think about some of the young women in my life who are very open about periods and menstruation and the impact, and there is an expectation from that generation, unlike my generation who had all that shame and what have you, that this is a normal part of life. And if they're not seeing their older women peers being supported through a phase of life, a biological phase of life, I think it's fairly obvious that you could say there's going to be a correlation to voting with their feet. This is not a workplace that supports women. And because there's no evidence of that, so hey, going to go and find one that does. As much as I think we shouldn't need to rely on the business case to do the right thing for women in the workplace, there's definitely a business case there. Mm, There absolutely is. And we know the younger generation think differently, they act differently, and we can learn a lot from them too, but they will not tolerate if they're not getting what they need or what they want. And uh, I think it's very important that we meet them as well where they are too. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, meet them where they are. It's it. This is the way of 21st century leadership, isn't it? So, hey, let's let's bring it home with what I love, me, we and us. So, me, for the me's out there, for the women listening, Natalie, what's what's your call to action? What's the, the one thing that they can do right now for themselves around menopause? I'm going to say 
connect with your body. Take a moment to stop and feel what you're feeling and just meet yourself where you are. Through our busy existence, we often do just go, 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 and we don't really connect to how it is that we're feeling. And that knowledge about ourselves is really pivotal to help us move forward and give ourselves what we need so that we can be healthy and work as we want. So probably very simple first tip. So pay attention to ourselves, which of course, oxygen mask on first. We've been told that for years and years, but the, you know, being body aware and being aware of our biology and being curious about it is first step. All right. So that's me. That's what I do as, as a woman. What about we? What do we do as leaders? We as leaders be open and curious about this topic. And I'm going to say menstruation and menopause and how we could actually harness that and use that to support not just women but everyone in the workplace and also the business as well and and I said look at this as a bit of succession planning business strategy so that we can continue to support women in the workplace and I think that's a real mindset shift for leadership as well because there's a lot of mindset in this there's a lot of as you said unlearning those old habits, unlearning about shame, and also accepting that this is actually a part of leadership. This is a part of engaging the greatness in others. All right, good advice. What about us? And I'm going to go quite macro with us. So yes, at an organisational level, what do we do strategically? So strategically, yes, there's a lot around creating female-friendly workplaces. But I think the simplest thing we can do in the first instance is look at the health and wellbeing strategies, the professional development strategies that you have in place and are they specific to your employees? Are you actually supporting the innate needs of every single employee? And of course, you can't do that on an individual level, but are you actually bringing the awareness and the learning to them so that they can really truly support themselves? For me, no more tick and flicks. It's around real supportive behavior change where you can get the best out of your people and ultimately the best out of your business too. I could not agree more because one size does not fit all and putting a gender lens over every policy, process, training package, well-being strategy is absolutely essential and uh, I think that's very, very sound advice. Nat, where can our listeners find out more about you? Yes, they can find out at ownyourhealthco.com.au. I'm quite active on LinkedIn as well, which is just Natalie Moore, my name. That's probably the best places. And you've got a podcast. Oh, yes, and my podcast. Yes, Perimenopause Power. So all about shifting that mindset around perimenopause and helping women to learn and grow and come into their power, as I've said before. Awesome. And I will say, dear listeners, that Nat is a regular on my Thursdays for the US, Friday for Australia coaching sessions. We have group coaching in Lead to Soar and she is an absolutely terrific contributor, gives a lot of herself and her wisdom, which is the power of our network, Lead to Soar, women supporting women. So you can find her in the Lead to Soar network as well. She's an amazing member and we are enriched by her membership and her generosity. Nat, thank you so much for sharing that wisdom and your experience with us. There's just so many calls to action there. Listeners, I'm going to put a bunch of links in the show notes as always, but to sum it up, 
for women, what are we going to do to really pay attention to ourselves and our bodies, be aware of our bodies so that we can reach our full potential, you know, tap into our, our ambition. As leaders, please do seek out that greatness in the women in your team. And of course, organisational leaders, let's be strategic about the power of women and how women can and will help you achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes. Matt Moore, Own Your Own Health Collective, amazing member of Lead to Soar. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michelle. It's been amazing. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.